Hello and welcome to this uh, World Cup Match Day 2 edition of the or the FPL Scope podcast. Uh, I am your host Matthias and with me today, like last time, I have Kevin. Introduce yourself, Kevin. How are you doing? What do you think about the World Cup so far? Yeah, it's been a uh, exciting one so far. Um, it's uh, it's a shame of uh, you know seeing Messi lose, obviously, and Argentina uh, not getting the best start. But uh, really, really fun to see Germany lose. So uh, I can say it's pretty much balanced out. We've had some upsets. We've had some interesting performances, and uh, yeah, it's been an exciting World Cup so far. Yeah, there's been uh, quite a few controversies on and off the pitch, really. Um, just want to know what you think about the whole uh, added time thing that's uh, FIFA's, or they've instructed the referees to add more time than usual uh, at the end of matches. What do you think of that change? I, I mean, it feels really unnatural, just the amount of time. I mean, I'm one of those sort of guys where i get really irritated when the right amount doesn't get applied so now there being an overabundance of that i feel even more weirded out because there are some games where i'm like nothing's really happened and there's like oh six minutes of extra time okay great sort of thing and it ends up being like oh a team's actually chasing for an equalizer or, or to get the win so i don't know yeah i guess it makes it a bit more exciting at some points but at the same time i'm just like you know, if you're, you know, a team that's rightfully in the lead and all this type of stuff, it just leaves an unnecessary amount of time for another team to, you know, just give it all they got. Um, we'll see. I think uh, all depends on because, you know, it's only been one match day in that regards. Um, it will be determined more on what effect it has long term. So let's see. But I think so far. Eh, I'm not the biggest fan, but I don't hate it at the same time. Yeah, in general, I also I've felt like there's been too little time added to matches, so I sort of welcome the change. But it's a bit much when they add. I th- think they added like seven minutes to the Spain match today, which was already like six or seven nil. Like at that point, it, just just blow the whistle. Like <laughs> you don't yeah. need to add that many minutes. The match is already over, really. So uh, other than that, I I kind of welcome the change i just want them to clamp down on time wasting really i don't really care like the people have been talking about the whole playing time uh it's actually closer to 60 minutes so that's why they should add more because the ball is out of play that much but i don't mind really if the ball is out of play like it is regularly it's just when people time waste and like fall down and pretend to have cramps and all that stuff if you can get rid of that and then just have those minutes added and nothing else then that's good for me, I feel like. But so far, so good in terms of the World Cup as well. Uh, same thing for me. I've been ups and downs. Uh, I support Argentina and Japan in this World Cup, so it's been <laughs> roller coaster of emotions, really. Uh, it's really fun to see Japan beat Germany today. Really fun display as well from the Japanese team. It's it's something special about the World Cup that despite like one team having all the major stars and stuff, the other team might just be a more cohesive unit and play better together and still get a result from it so fun to see japan fun to see canada as well to be fair today uh they should have had more points than uh, the zero they got against belgium belgium who were really disappointing but we'll get to that pretty soon um first we're just going to go through our uh, match days and look how we've done 
so far in terms of fantasy world cup and uh, i don't have many complaints personally i have uh, i have a pretty good team i'm pretty happy on top of well, both of my mini leagues i think and uh yeah pretty decent team i still have a couple of players left as well so hopefully i can get some more points from them let's quickly go through the team i have uh, doubled up on defense in terms of uh, netherlands players i have not in goal who started for netherlands and did a fine match didn't really have much to to save against senegal really senegal were decent but it was really like a pretty tight contested game with not that many chances but Nopper did well in like his first cap for the Netherlands. He has barely played any matches for his club either, so it's pretty interesting to see that he's like straight into like one of the favorites to win the tournament, uh, straight into the team there. But yeah, he got seven points uh, on top of Dumfries with six points. Dumfries could have had more as well. He was pretty offensively involved, but not as much as I could have hoped, maybe. But I think he's a great pick for the future as well. Uh, I can see now that I have uh, the incorrect kit on Pavard, but that is, uh, yeah, Pavard got one point, Trippier got one point as well, so they, they're basically the same player, that's why they're sort of meshed, but yeah. Anyways, Pavard got one point and Trippier got one point. I benched Trippier after after his match, and I also did the same with Bergwijn after his match, which was a mistake on my part, because Bergwijn got two points, and I have Pavard now on the on in the starting lineup with one point, and Bergwijn on the bench with two points, so... I lost the points from just pure, well, stupidity, <laughs> really. I was just too eager to switch out the player that blanked, so paid a little bit of a price for that. So that's a mistake on my end. Um, I had Mele for Denmark, clean sheet for them against Tunisia, as expected, really. He could have had an assist, but his assist for Sko Olsen, who I also have, was uh, disallowed for offside. Uh, that would have been a lot of points for me and many other managers, because those two Danish players were really... Uh, popular then uh, Sosa got a clean sheet for Croatia he could have had an assist as well he looked really lively for 3.5 for Croatia as a starting left back as offensive as he is he's just a great option like we said before uh, match day one as well if he starts he's amazing guy to have for 3.5 and uh, he certainly fulfilled that promise as well someone who didn't fulfill his promises was uh, Kevin De Bruyne I'm uh, not as mad about that as you are as we'll <laughs> come to discuss pretty soon with your team he got two points one point for the appearance one point for the clean sheet he he was involved he just had really poor body language belgium didn't look the part as well and he he missed some obvious passes he had one pass uh, in the first half to telemans which was like wide open where he just didn't see him for some reason he did like a harder pass to pull off and the end result would have been worse as well so Kind of weird to see the Bruyne kind of off the pace. Same with Belgium. Skolson, as I said, he got a goal disallowed from a melee assist. Could add some points, but he was a cheap player anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Two points, fair enough. Going to have some blanks. Musiala also blanked against uh, Japan. Could easily add more points, but for me, I support Japan, so it was, uh, I was happy to see Japan turn around anyway. So, but yeah, Musiala, he showed his class anyway, but it's just he needs to provide the fantasy points as well. But I've already swapped him out, or I'm going to swap him out for Dearasqueta, who is my final player. It just depends if I'm going to keep Dearasqueta or if I'm going to sub him out or transfer him out, because I still have my two transfers left. So 
I might do one of the, well, we'll talk more about the budget glitch uh, later and how I could maybe potentially abuse that to get Bruno Fernandes or something like that, but we'll get to that later. Uh, Messi had a disappointing game, but he scored, still scored a goal, a penalty, so he got six points. He was my captain, but I switched the captaincy to Mbappe, and I am pretty happy with that decision because Mbappe got three points more than Messi. He could easily have way more as well. He had some big chances missed. He has seven shots in the box and still only got one shot on target. So he kind of missed a couple of big chances, but he was all right. And then uh, my best performing player was Ferran Torres with 10 points. He scored two goals and got subbed off before the hour mark. So he lost out one point from that. But 10 points was more than enough. I also had Bergwijn, who blanked. I mentioned that earlier. I subbed him off. And I still have Roche for Uruguay, but I'm not going to sub him in for Nopper, who got 7 points. So, And I also have Neymar as the 12th man. So I'm excited to see what he can do as well. So that's pretty much my team. Um, I don't know if you have any comments. I know you warned me about the Bergwijn thing, the mistake I did. Uh, is anything else? What do you think I should do with Derosqueta and, uh, and that stuff? I mean, if he uh, if he plays, you might as well just take a chance. Uh, he might not. I mean, he might somehow get zero points if he somehow gets you know subbed off before the sixtieth. But I think when you have you know a bunch of players that randomly just got one point, which really should just be two points because most of them did actually play uh, past sixty minutes and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's worth the risk um, because the worst that he can get is minus points, which I highly doubt that he will. Yeah. And you know, obviously, the sky's the limit in terms of what he can actually do. He might get a random goal or assist or at least two points, which is one point better than uh, Musiala at this point. So, yeah, uh, I think it's just worth uh, giving it a go. I do think if you have. If you're planning on doing the uh, wild card, as uh, so we'll get to see with my team, uh, if you plan on doing the wild card game week two, you might as well do the uh, glitch, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but that's yeah. only if you plan on doing a wild card. I mean, saving it also makes sense, but at the same time, I just feel like you could, yeah, you could save it for game week three instead and, you know, roll your transfers and everything, or at the very least make one transfer if you want to. But at this rate, I think 64 is pretty good with 12th uh, man Neymar who could easily score a goal at the very least to bring you up to 70, which is a more than respectable um, first game week uh, uh, points tally, I guess. Yeah, the only other thing with Derosqueta is I might, if I decide against using the wildcard in match day two, I can swap him out for Paqueta, who I'm leaning towards getting next uh, match day. So there's a couple options I have. Uh, just just depends if I do the wildcard or not. I'm currently like 80-20%, like 80% going to do the wildcard uh, match day two, but I'll get into that a bit later when you come to the fixtures. First, we're going to look at your team. So just take us through the team and what you think about the players and how they performed. Yeah, I mean, I got 55 points. It should have been higher, uh, considering I didn't really have uh, the best feeling about switching from Messi to De Bruyne. Uh, I should have probably, if I was going to do anything, I maybe should have done it for Neymar, if anyone, or just gone Kane for Messi and just been happy with the 12 points. Um 
But uh, yeah, uh, I got Nopper Dingle, who got seven points. Dumfries, I mean, I was always doubling up on uh, Netherlands. Uh, so very happy with their returns. I mean, it's 13 points just from two players who maybe shouldn't have gone that. But uh, at the very least, they did. Um, Chippier, who got one point, didn't look that bad, to be fair. Still look like the Newcastle Trippier that we all know and love. Took a bunch of free kicks, took a bunch of corners. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I think um, he can still haul. We all know the reason why we have Trippier, and that's not because of clean sheets. It's more because of what he can do offensively. So I think uh, against USA, who I think if someone of England's sort of uh, stature and playing ability plays them, I think it could actually favor someone like Trippier because I didn't think Wales looked good at all and they were able to somehow snatch a point against them. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, Trippier is still someone who's going to stay in my team despite the low return of one point. Smela, six points. I'll be honest, very lucky to get six points because, yes, he could have gone and assist and everything like that if you know things didn't go offside and etc. But uh, yeah, Denmark should have conceded multiple times. I, I think uh, there was just some really weird, um, I guess, shot selections. I'm one of those sort of guys where I'm like, if you are through on goal and you can just pick a post, just pick a post. Why are you chipping for? And why are you trying to chip Casper Schmeichel of all people, who's like notoriously known for being pretty good at say like with his reflex saves and stuff like that? I thought that was a stupid uh, decision, but I'm very happy with the returns. Obviously, I mean, I had four clean sheets technically in terms of uh, goalkeeper and defenders uh, because I also had Sosa who mm. should have actually gone assist and gone nine points. And uh, to me, Croatia didn't really look at all like they were ever going to concede. Uh, so really happy with his return, especially f- over the fact that he's 3.5. Bergwijn eh, wasn't great, uh, but I think that also comes down to the fact that the pie wasn't playing because the minute the pie came on, everything changed. So um, I think Bergwijn deserves another chance, especially with their next game. He only got two points, but uh, I can easily see that becoming, yeah, like a nine-pointer next week. Like I could see him scoring at least a goal in the next match. Um, the Bruyne can kiss my ass. Uh, look, it's a bit harsh to say um, that De Bruyne was terrible. He wasn't terrible. He just didn't come up to the standards that we know he can, you know, be. And in terms of his actual points, because he only got two points, could have easily have been like at least an assist today. Because Batshuayi, despite scoring and scoring a wonderful goal at that, um, was really wasteful. I think he shows why he gets a lot of goals for Belgium and stuff like that. But at the same time, why he's never going to be their starting striker because he just wastes so many chances. There's a lot of stupid decisions. And frankly, if you're someone who wants to roll on KDB, if there's Lukaku news and Lukaku's like dead set to start, then I'd say, yeah, 100% play KDB because those two work really well together. Um, but yeah, really disappointing that KDB didn't 
perform well. Really disappointed that Belgium didn't perform well, but it was really fun to see Canada give it a real honest go. Alfonso Davis, uh, very unlucky not to score the pen. Canada still looking to score at the World Cup just in their history. So it's awful because I really love Alfonso Davis as a player and as a person. I think he's just a wonderful talent and everything like that. So it's just a shame. And Courtois being uh, freakishly tall is always going to be difficult to score a pen. Uh, but yeah, uh, enough of the, about that. Um, Musiala, one point. It's really frustrating uh, in two ways. Uh, it's frustrating because of the fantasy aspect of stuff, but uh, it was also frustrating um, in the sense of for anyone who's German, because I felt Musiala was a class above a lot of the players today. The same as I felt with De Bruyne. I thought Musiala was great. I thought Nabri was also great. And uh, yeah, it was just uh, really weird for them to end up losing. It was also really weird that... Um, he only got one point because he had several shots. He had definitely a lot of key passes that could have led to goals and stuff like that, but then really stupid shot selections and stuff like that from both Musiala and the German players, which led to them losing. And obviously they scored an offside goal and all this type of stuff. So I wouldn't count Musiala out, but the weird thing is that you might have to considering the fact that Spain played Germany next and Spain won a uh, very massively uh, 7-0. So, mm. um, yeah, I, do I think Spain's good enough to keep Musiala in check? Probably. And that's why I'm going to look at other options because as we'll get to the uh, match day uh, ticker and everything like that, we'll be able to see that there are a lot of good options and, uh, to be honest, midfielders in general have been terrible this World Cup, unless you had Olmo, Asensio, or Gavi randomly, mm-hmm. who all managed to score. Um, up front, I had Kane for seven points. Really unlucky not to get more, but got two assists in a 6-2 win over Iran. And um, yeah, he's maybe got an ankle injury, but it just feels like a typical Harry Kane sort of game where he'll get a brace against USA and get the uh, highest goal scorer or share the highest goal scoring record uh, for England as Wayne Rooney currently has the record. But the fact that Kane is already only two goals uh, behind is absolutely crazy. And I feel like he might either do it this week or this next match day or the match day after. So uh, cool to be a part of history if he does it. And I think USA didn't really show the um, class that they're known for. And I think England will completely ruin them. So yeah, I'm going to be sticking with Kane and we'll be seeing that uh, coming up soon, but yeah, seven points from him. Messi, six points, really, really disappointing from the goat, uh, not to get more, but I, when me and Matthias were talking about the game, because I obviously was at the office and I believe Matthias might've been busy with some stuff too. Um, the, the words that, kept coming out of uh, me was the fact that Argentina got too complacent. They were completely steamrolling Saudi Arabia. If, you know, some of the sharpness that they had against Italy and some of these other matches, uh, I think Argentina would have probably gone 3-4-0 at the first half. But the minute they didn't 
and the way the second half's intensity started, you sort of knew that it was going to collapse on themselves because they just played awful. And then when they then started chasing, Saudi Arabia very smartly played Diego Simeon sort of 10-man defense sort of thing and played it to perfection, to be completely honest. Like, But also, I've never seen Di Maria misplace so many passes. I got flashbacks of Pochettino uh, sort of uh, coaching Messi because Messi was playing in his own half and all this type of stuff. So really, really disappointing to see. But I think with the fact that they've now lost their record of uh, they were trying to equalize with uh, Italy for 37 matches unbeaten, but they only got 36 now. I think it's better to get out of the way now so they can just focus on the next game, just come gun blazing, get the three points and, you know, beat the living shit out of Mexico. Um, I personally believe Messi has feels like he has a lot to prove, especially after only scoring a pen goal. I mean, I think it's a bit harsh to say that, but uh, I know that a lot of people expect him to win the golden boot and player of the tournament and all this type of stuff. And if he's going to, do that he's gonna have to score and i think mexico and poland are good opposition for him to do so neymar is on my team i obviously have pavard and uh wahabi kazri as well but they both were terrible um so i'm gonna be going with neymar uh i think he's i think we said we think brazil could win the whole thing and if brazil are going to win the whole thing it's going to be thanks to neymar i think he's easily someone who can be player of the tournament and uh yeah serbia is not the easiest match and uh, we could see a maybe cheeky upset or a draw there um but i think neymar takes set pieces penalties he's kind of score and uh yeah hopefully he'll bring my uh tally up into the 60s i also did do uh the 12th man chip and yeah i'm very happy with mbappe because for me the 12th man chip would have been between kane and mbappe and obviously both got returns so more than happy uh with mbappe obviously would have been much nicer if i captained him or whatever um but uh you know what my whole philosophy with uh, match day one is always to try and get 60 points because 60 points is a nice start uh, I think a lot of people have screwed up by either tripling up on Denmark or tripling up on teams that haven't performed well like I know quite a few people who had triple Germany which uh, or even Argentina yeah, yeah, exactly. So a lot of people had Lataro and Messi, which I warn people about. But to be fair, there was a second there where I was just like, oh, <laughs> when he scored that nice chip and stuff like that, which should have been uh, onside, right? Yeah, it was, that was, it was the a goal. bit controversial, uh, yeah. the replay. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, um, as long as Neymar doesn't completely screw things up, I'll be uh, I'll be pretty happy with the uh, first week. Because at the end of the day, people seem to forget, you know, it's just one match day. Things can yeah. definitely change very quickly. Definitely. There's a lot of variance when it comes to World Cup fantasy, especially when it comes to the knockout stages and uh, yeah. all the things that go on there, all the implications with teams going out and yeah. betting on the wrong horse or the wrong players and stuff. But yeah. I mean, you also have Solomana on your bench. You might 
use him if he starts for Ghana. Kamaldin Salamana, he's a really talented uh, young winger slash striker for um, for Ghana. Though they play uh, is it South Korea the first match? No, they play uh, Uruguay. No, who do they play? Can't remember. Um, <laughs> I they believe they play. They play no, 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 no. They play. They play. Uruguay play South Korea and Portugal play Ghana. Play so Uruguay. he, so he'd be playing against Cristiano Ronaldo and his men. So a hundred percent, I'm gonna start him because <laughs> I hate Portugal and uh, yeah. everyone who's from there. I'm just kidding. That's not true at all. <laughs> but uh, I do not like Cristiano Ronaldo, and I don't like Portugal uh, as a national team uh, because of Luis Figo. So uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> But yeah, we'll see if, if we'll see if Solomon starts or not. But if he starts, then you can definitely get him in for someone like Musiala and at least get well. He could be subbed off early as well, but it's the same as with uh, Arsketa for me. But you also have one million in the bank, but five million for a midfielder at this point isn't that much with the options you have left. So I think Solomon is your best bet, unless you do the well. You already done the transfer. You should say that as well. You had Sane and you swapped him out for Musiala. Yes, because Sane yes. didn't start. So. You can't really do the the budget glitch unless you do a minus four for that. If you want to do Sulemana, if if you don't know if you're unaware of the budget glitch, apparently you can sell a player like you could sell Neymar who's um, eleven million and drop him down to like someone costing four million. Then you'll have a lot of money left. They can upgrade Sulemana to well Bruno Fernandes if you want nine point five midfielder, and you can go well you can yeah so you'd you'd have enough money for that, but. Since you're doing the wild card next uh, match day, you you could actually do that and just be be in the clear anyway, without the budget glitch. But yeah, people have been selling players and buying players without the budget to get them in because there's been a glitch with the with the game. So just in general, the the game has been pretty much in shambles uh, in terms of glitches, rules being updated right before the launch, rules being adjusted post-launch apparently because midfielders were supposed to get five points for every goal scored and then midway or well at least like a quarter way through the match day they switched them up switched it up to be seven points for every midfielder goal so yeah the game is a bit uh a bit of a mess but if you can take advantage of it you, sh- you should definitely do that but in terms of your team um it's pretty good the like you mentioned at the end there you could have done the Kane as 12th man and then Mbappe as a captain's option uh, that's that's why I did it personally that's why I had have Neymar as 12th man and Mbappe as a player in my team because then I could use him as captain but obviously the 12th man is unlimited budget so you'd lose a million from that so you'd have to downgrade somewhere else to get the money back from that so but yeah, I felt like that uh, trade-off with a million less to get Mbappe as a captain's option was worth it and it sort of was since he got three more points than Messi, and he could have had way more, way more than that. So, but in the end, it was a pretty decent match day for both of us. So I think we should both be pretty happy. Yeah, uh, I think the only point uh, to add there was I think I think it just also became a uh, overestimation of Denmark's abilities. Well, I've always said that they are terrible and can't play football um the general consensus was though that obviously denmark are pretty decent and could on their day beat anyone and etc so i think that's why i was leaning like oh 
I can have Mbappe definitely against Australia, but if push comes to shove, Kane does look like a better option against USA than uh, Mbappe does against Denmark. But then once Mbappe played and Denmark played, it kind of became the opposite sort of thing where it's like, ah, Kane can't get a shot off and Mbappe is shooting way too much. So, uh, yeah, it's sort of become a role reversal. It could still mean that we might see a nil-nil between France and um Denmark because maybe it's it is just that Denmark are very stable at the back and uh, all this type of stuff but I think uh, and we'll see very shortly that uh, I think we're all uh, going to be on the Mbappe train yeah for sure uh, obviously you could also use our wildcard both of us that's what we're leaning towards doing that's what we're going to be presenting when we come to our teams but before we get to our teams you're going to take a look at the fixtures obviously we have the two next match days in uh, the group stage left but say uh, like we said we're gonna use the wild card just again we're just gonna go through the rules again in terms of wild card you can basically do the wild card before match day two switch out your whole team if you want to and have the perfect team for match day two and then right at the end of match day two you can swap out your entire team keep the points that you collected throughout match day two and just swap out all those players for a whole new squad for match day three so that way you can basically have two separate squads for match day two and match day three using only your one wild wild card. So that's a pretty good option for uh, for anyone that's well. Most people are really into fantasy games already and Rocket Fantasy know this already and probably have this planned already with the the wild card in match day two. But if you're someone who didn't know, uh, you can definitely do the wild card at the start of match day two and then at the end of match day two just swap out your team for a match day three squad. Um, and as you can see from the fixtures, there are a lot of the teams that have really good match day two fixtures, like Poland, Japan, and Tunisia, for example. They have really easy matches in match day two, but then they have really difficult matches in match day three. And the opposite could be said of like some of the better teams, like, um, well, for example, you have uh, Brazil, Switzerland is a bit tougher than Cameroon. You have uh, Denmark who play France, and then you have Australia. So obviously, you would want to get back on players like Mele maybe for match day three, but you don't want him for match day two. Germany, they play Spain in match day two, and then Costa Rica match day three. That's considering Spain beat Costa Rica 7 0. That's a pretty big difference. So, if Germany, as it looks like now, Germany has to win against Costa Rica in match day three, you'd really want some Germany players in match day three, but you don't want them for match day two. So, having different squads for match day three and match day uh, two uh, using the wild card is a really good option um, that we'll look into more later. Um, but yeah, first looking ahead to match day two. Uh, are there any well obviously this is uh, on the screen right now if you're watching youtube you can see the teams on the left are the easiest fixtures in match day two and then the teams on the right are the easiest or are the toughest fixtures in match day two i also cheated a little bit to get brazil on the left side so i put them in switzerland on the left while wales against iran is on the right but uh, they're also a better team if you're not using the wild card you you'd, you'd like to have brazil players for match day three as well so in terms of both match days, they have better fixtures than Wales, who fails England in match day three. Um, but yeah, are there any matches that stand out to you that you think are underrated, overrated in terms of the difficulty rating? Anything that? It, you yeah, like I mean, if I were to target three teams, yep, it would be Iran, Costa Rica, and Qatar. 
as in that those are the teams that you should be picking players from. So you think those three teams are the worst teams as of now? I was trying to actually say that you should be getting loading up on Iran, uh, Qatar, <laughs> Costa Rica players, but I couldn't really say that with a straight face. Um, so just looking, basing on this, I think um, a lot of people were correct in uh, picking England, even though USA and Wales aren't the easiest of games. I think England have demonstrated that unless they play like a France or a Ger- like a very decent side, that they're just going to be mopping the floor of people. So I think, yeah, I think targeting England players are good. Mm-hmm. I would be a bit like, even though you'll see in my team uh, ideas for uh, next week that Saka could be a one-off, you know, because he got so much space and all this type of stuff. Uh, but still, I think target England players um, because they look good. I think target Netherland defenders like we did or potentially get memphis to pie if you want a differential uh attacker uh i think um i think i want to say target Lewandowski for a premium uh attacking option because i i genuinely thought saudi arabia would be a lot worse but then it's a combination of saudi arabia play like this high press you know 90 minutes of running sort of play and Lewandowski has notoriously been bad at the World Cup but all things considering Lewandowski had crazy returns for Poland in terms of qualifying so like it has to give this might be the game to target him for especially if you want a differential Uh, I think um, another team to look out for is Serbia even though we don't know they might get whipped 5-0 they could Brazil. potentially beat Brazil as well. But I think the matches against Cameroon and Switzerland are easier matches for them. I mean, we have to look back at them in qualifying and everything like that. They look great. And I think um, they have so many cool options that you can pick from as well. Um, in terms of any obvious things that I can also point out, Messi. I think he's going to absolutely... I mean, it's good that he's already gotten a goal to his name and everything like that, but I think Mexico and Poland should definitely be afraid because they need to get maximum points now from the remaining matches to go through, and I think they're going to respond like crazy. So I'd say if you don't, for whatever reason, have Messi, maybe it's due to you having Ronaldo or because, you know, obviously Messi is expensive as well, so... You might have just gone with uh, Mbappe, Neymar, and you know whatever other uh, choices. Yeah. So, so for me, um, I think load up on uh, at the very least Messi. Mm-hmm. I could easily see Lautaro Martinez uh, also. You know he'll probably be disappointed not to get that goal uh, credited and everything like that. So he's also a good option. But if you have Messi, please don't load up uh, on the same position because strikers are really hard to come by because we only have three spots and it only seems to be strikers scoring at this World Cup uh, unless, you know, you're a random, you know, Maguire getting assist or something like that. Um, Yeah, so I'd say pick one or the other if you're going to do that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think those teams as well, Brazil and Argentina, obviously the favorites uh in this world cup both of them argentina had a disappointing 
loss for them against Saudi Arabia, but that will only be better for their fantasy assets in terms of the Mexico and Poland games because they need to win both of those matches now. So I think Messi will be raring to go. He scored against Mexico last time he faced them in, uh, in the World Cup, didn't he? I think that was the beautiful goal where he took it down on, on his uh, leg and then shot it. it was, wasn't it? I think it was Mexico. That's... Was it a different team? No, the one where he took it down to his knee was, was against... Uh, the last World Cup, they had a draw in Nigeria. Nigeria might be a green green kits. So that's, yeah. probably, that's probably No, because he, he definitely scored against Nigeria because it was him and Rojo, I think. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The pass from Rojo and then he takes it down and shoots it. But anyway, But you might... You, he might have done something... He scores, in Copa. so... He might have... Uh, is it in Copa America that he might have played Mexico? So that's maybe why... You're mixing it up? Yeah. I don't know. Nah, it might be the green kits as well. But, uh, yeah. Anyways, I think he has a decent shot against Mexico and against Poland to score many goals. So I'm definitely going to be keeping him uh, throughout the World Cup as long as he's in it, I think. It just depends mm-hmm. if they go through or not now because of the first result that they had. Yeah. yeah like you mentioned as well, Brazil and Serbia. It will be really interesting to see that group. Brazil and Serbia, how they stack up against each other. And also Cameroon and Switzerland just to see how good they are. Maybe Cameroon are maybe way better than Switzerland all of a sudden when we all expect Switzerland to be better. But that would also affect how we do things for the next uh, game week as well, or match day, I should say. So, yeah, Brazil and Serbia. Serbia have so many options. Like they have potentially have Mitrovic if he's injured, potentially Vlaovic, they have Tadic, they have Milinkovic Savic, they have Kostic. All ditches, uh, <laughs> basically. Uh, so. Look out for Serbia against Brazil. That's going to be a really telling match. Um, it's also going to be interesting to see the other group with Portugal and Uruguay, how they stack up against the teams they face. Um, but yeah, they face each other in match day two, so it's not that interesting to target any of those players next match day, I think. But just keep an eye on them for match day three, especially. And then other than that, uh, you haven't mentioned Japan. They had an amazing result against Germany, and now they face Costa Rica, who lost 7-0 to Spain. So I think looking at Japanese players is certainly an option. Well, only thing with Japan is that they have they had so many good players on the bench, really. Like they had Tomiyasu on the bench, they had Richard Duan who came on and scored on the bench, uh, Asano came on, didn't he? Or scored at least. Uh, they have so many good options, really. Um, Really talented players, and a lot of them, ironically, playing in the Bundesliga as well. So it's just really fun to see them play. And then Costa Rica, who were the worst team so far in the in uh, the World Cup, I think they've been the least impressive out of all the teams. Even like Australia scored a goal and shocked France at the start. There, Tunisia got a draw against Denmark. Uh, Canada looked good against Belgium as well. Qatar, that's the other terrible team. So Senegal as well. Uh, it's a decent team to look at players from. So Senegal and Japan, potentially Poland. Don't know about South Africa or South Africa, uh, Saudi Arabia. I keep doing that mistake. Um, yeah, I don't know about them. They have obviously a really good uh, national team manager in uh, Irve Renard, I think. Irve Renard, uh, yeah. the Frenchman who who had a really like fiery team talk in the in the halftime. I saw. Yeah. Uh, as well, so he's he's a really good national team coach. Uh, potentially the next Belgium manager if uh, they go out, if they continue to look bad. So, uh, But yeah, those are the teams targeted in match day two. Match day three we'll talk about for the next um, podcasts. We'll dwell more into match day three then. 
Um, but yeah, we'll also take a look at the captain's options. That's the other thing. Um, right here, you look at the captaincy options. Uh, just looking at the teams again, uh, group A and B play on the first day, which is now on the Friday. Friday is the first match day uh, or first day of matches in match day two. Sorry, it's a lot. It's a bit confusing with the names and stuff, but. Yeah, on Friday, match day two starts, and you have a group A and group B playing. And then uh, Saturday, you have group C and D playing. And Sunday, you have group uh, E and F playing. And then Monday, you have group G and H playing. So obviously, you need to plan out your captaincy as well for this uh, match day. Uh, you have some decent options in the first day of matches. You have uh, Kane as the standout option for England or Saka. Saka did really well last time. England playing against USA. Um, you also have Netherlands, so you could go with the pie if he's back and fully fit. Or Bergwijn or even Dumfries if you want to be risky about it. But mostly you should stick to the high-profile captains, considering you only have two captains you can use each uh, match day. So, like I did last week, Messi to Mbappe. This time, they swap it around. Uh, Mbappe plays before Messi, so uh, you can definitely go with Mbappe first against Denmark, and if he doesn't score against Denmark, if Denmark are really as good as I think they are and not as bad as you think they are, Kevin, then uh, and if Mbappe blanks, then you can just switch to Messi against Mexico and hope for the best there. Um, also, you obviously have Lewandowski. He plays even earlier than those two, so you can do Lewandowski first and then switch to well either Mbappe or Messi, depending on who you favor out of those two. Then you also have Giroud, who scored two goals, should be mentioned. Uh, after Benzema got injured, he became the natural replacement, and he obviously delivered with two goals. Uh, I have Martinez listed, but I feel like also we should list, or I think we should mention at least um, Griezmann as well. I think Griezmann looked really, really, really good. He created a lot of chances for France. He really should have had a couple of assists to Mbappe, single positions. He just seems to step up for France like he did in the last World Cup. So he's also a great option. You also have Dembele. You have so many options with France. So it's only the fact that they play Denmark that is putting us off a bit with France, but still... They are players to consider. In the third deal matches, you have De Bruyne as the standout option, but he sort of failed in the first match day, so maybe it's not the best option, uh, even though they play Morocco, which is a decent match. You also have the Spain and Germany match. They play against each other, so if you want to risk it, then you can go with one of those players. Spain obviously looked really good, so maybe they continue playing well, but it's, it's hard to know with Spain who's going to be their main guy. I think if you want to go with one Spain uh, option, it should probably be probably be Ferran Torres, who scored two goals and took a penalty for them. Penalty taker with Morata on the bench. So uh, he got a lot of points for me, and he's just also someone who performs really well for Spain. He's a really talented player, as we both know. We're both fans of Barcelona, and uh, he hasn't really shown as much as uh, he can do for Barcelona so far, but for Spain, he's he's a really good player. And then the final day of uh, well, day of matches, or yeah, on the final day you have uh, groups G and H. Uh, we obviously don't know as of yet because we're filming this on um, Wednesday after the Belgium match, so we don't know how uh, the groups G and H teams look. But you obviously have some 
re- really good options there as well with Neymar uh, against uh, Switzerland. Vinicius Jr., if he looks good in the first match, you can obviously go for him as well. Then you have Cristiano Ronaldo and Bruno Fernandes from Portugal, but they face Uruguay, so probably not the best. And then potentially Richarlison against Switzerland, if he's the starting striker for Brazil. He's also a really good option, so... Just a lot of decent captain's options, really. Um, are there anyone that stand out to you? Uh, what are your captaincy plans for this upcoming game week? Ideally, like if you could choose the two best captains, who would you choose? It's tough to say simply because of not knowing uh, what's going on with Brazil and Portugal. Because I obviously think Neymar could be a nice little option but for me i think it's a bit obvious i think it's either between messi or mbappe only because it's still a bit unsure about kane's ankle if kane's Mm. ready and fit to go for me i think simply just basing it on matches and stuff like that and with records and everything like that being played then it should be between kane and messi simply because Denmark might be maybe not firing on all cylinders, but they definitely have the defensive aspect down. But that being said, I always said after watching that match that if they had faced France that day, they would have conceded quite a few because the the issue was the fact that Tunisia got into, um, into their box shot had several dangerous chances, but obviously don't have the quality that, say, Mbappe, Griezmann, or even Giroud, you know. So I think um, that's the only thing that is stopping me from saying that Mbappe is the clear choice. But for me as well, I think Mbappe is also a clear choice because of how bad the match, or not how bad it was. I had even higher expectations for Denmark because of the fact that they did so well in qualifying and they are, like, I can say no bullshit, they are obviously the best team playing in Scandinavia right now, sadly. Um, But, yeah, I I think uh, there's just not very good... um, They're not really attacking that well and obviously conceded a lot of chances as well to Tunisia to not France so I could still see that ending 2-3-0 to France considering the way they played against Australia considering the fact that Mbappe could have easily have had a hat-trick that game and 4-1 was pretty flattering at the end of the day which is pretty crazy to me because when the second half started rolling I was just like oh okay so this is going to end really, really badly. But at first, you know, when Australia scored and all this type of stuff, I'm like, oh, it's going to be a 2-1, 3-1 most for France. But nope, they just got the ball rolling and uh, played fun football, which is uh, something that I've not always loved about Deschamps because I think he plays sort of, uh, uh, I don't know what's the term, sort of like a safe football you know considering the attacking talent that he has i would expect a more flair and crazy attacking about them but to be fair against australia mbappe was doing the fancy flicks then booze was having fun and Giroud was just doing Giroud things just being 
right man at the right place. So I think if you want to have a um, differential captain, look at Giroud. I think uh, Kane could be a nice little differential captain as well, simply because of the whole ankle injury and because he didn't explode in terms of points and wasn't an obvious goal scorer that might sway people away from Kane. So I think uh, look at those two and Latoro Martinez, obviously uh, for Argentina. I think uh, I thought he was brilliant uh, despite not getting a goal because obviously he got a goal ruled out as well. Um, but yeah, to sum it up, look at Messi and Mbappe for your captain picks and uh, maybe go from Mbappe to Messi, depending if Mbappe fails. I don't think he will, but you never know. Uh, but if you're looking for uh, differentials, I think uh, another name that I need to point out as a Barcelona fan and also just a f- just a general appreciation towards the brilliant striker that he is, Lewandowski is getting super overlooked. Uh, mm. Yes, terrible pen, uh, but also really great for Machoa. Uh, Poland looked like the just didn't have that sharpness that they normally have. But I still think, yes, fine, Saudi Arabia beat Argentina, but you can't treat them like they're going to win the World Cup at this rate. So, you know, they're still, they're not all these other teams. They they managed to grind out a result. To be fair, they could beat Poland, and if they do, credits to them. But I still think that you shouldn't overlook Lewandowski, especially if you feel that you've fallen behind a lot and all this type of stuff, you could go for him as a differential, and especially if Kane's out as well. Um, he could just be an easy person to slot in. Yeah, and considering if you use the wild card, you can just see if Kane is in the starting lineup, and if he's not in the starting lineup, you can just swap to Lewandowski, and then you have a decent option exactly. there as well. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think Saudi Arabia are the team like are similar to the teams of Saudi Arabia in the World Cups of the past, where they obviously closest scored five goals against Saudi Arabia, and that's part of the reason why he's the top goal scorer of all time in the World Cup. Yeah. So I don't foresee Lewandowski doing the same, but at the same time, Lewandowski is the type of player who, if he gets one goal, he can get three or four. So he's definitely a decent differential option. Uh, like you said, with Mbappe, he had really good uh, underlying stats. Um, for France, he had seven shots in the box and only one on target, which is kind of crazy. Uh, he had a, also like a missed touch on one of the like the the chance where he sort of it looked like he got an injury. He sort of feigned an injury, and then all of a sudden he was back to <laughs> running at full speed. And Griezmann put a perfect ball through to him, but he just he just touched it incorrectly, and the ball went into the to the goalkeeper rather than him getting a shot off even. So Mbappe is just a, a great option, and like you said, Kane as well. If he starts, uh, he's he's a really good option. He can definitely score a penalty. The U.S. conceded a penalty against Wales. They could easily do the same against England, who had a lot of chances and probably should have had a, another uh, penalty uh, in the first match as well. So Kane is a great option. So pretty much in the first two days, you should probably have your captain sealed already. <laughs> and you don't have to worry about that with De Bruyne or any of those guys uh, in the later matches. Pretty much uh, for the captaincy options, we'll look ahead to match day two. And we have both, well, in our suggested squads, we have both used our wildcards. I'll go through mine first. This is my wildcard, and it is kind of similar to the team that I currently have, which is why I'm also considering 
maybe not using the wall card, just using my two transfers that I have left, and then the two transfers I get in match day two to get sort of a similar team like this. But I'll just go through the team again for anyone that is just listening and not watching. So once again, I have Noppert and Dumfries that double up with the, the Netherlands defenders. Uh, Ecuador scored twice against uh, Qatar, but Qatar looked really terrible. So I don't think Ecuador are that good. It's just Ener Valencia who's really good, but he might also be injured. He has struggled with some injuries similarly to Kane. He struggled with uh, a knock on his foot after the match. So if he doesn't start especially, then Netherlands is just a shoe-in to get a, a clean sheet really for me. I'm keeping faith in Trippier against the USA. Um, I think, well, England didn't look the best defensively, but at the same time, you got to give credit to Taremi, the Iranian striker, who's really good. He's been amazing for Porto for quite some time now. And he just scored, scored two goals uh, against England. Trippier can definitely get some attacking returns, like uh, Kevin mentioned earlier. And then... I'm also going to back France against Denmark. Teo Hernandez, he didn't start in the first match, but he got subbed on pretty early because his brother got torn his, or tore his ACL, so he's out for basically the season. So Teo Hernandez is a shoe-in for France, and you could see against Australia how he affected the game and how he had a lot of chances to get assists and goals and all that stuff. So I think he's one of the best defenders in the game for only 5 million, so... He's a really a no-brainer for me, even though they play Denmark. So I'm going to have him. Uh, same, th same thing with Sosa for 3.5. Also a no-brainer. They play Canada, who really wasteful against Belgium. And I think Croatia can, can even beat Canada, Canada and look better than Belgium. I Before, well, in the last podcast, I predicted Croatia to win the group in front of Belgium. I feel pretty good about that right now, even though they didn't win against Morocco, but Morocco are also sort of a tough team, so but yeah, Sosa is just looking really good offensively for 3.5. He's a no-brainer really. Saka, he just impressed a lot in the first match. USA should be another good match for him, so he seems like a really well good and popular option this week. Then we have De Bruyne, kind of disappointing match. Morocco, who kept a clean sheet in the first match. Not sure how I feel about De Bruyne. It's just the fact that midfielders get seven points for scoring goals. They get points for key passes, or should get points for key passes and tackles, even though they haven't been added into the game just yet. That's another thing. Didn't mention at the start how the game is in a state of disarray, really, so far. Uh, the extra points haven't been added yet for tackles or key passes, but I expect them to be added at the end of the match day. So just for that, De Bruyne has... A little bit of an edge. It's just he, he's not that much of a goal scorer. It's just penalties. He could always get a penalty. But I don't know. I'm still unsure about the Borina. I might downgrade him to upgrade one of my strikers that I'll get to. Before that, I'll just mention Daichi Kamada. He didn't score or get any points for Japan against Germany. But he's still their talisman. He played 90 minutes, which is a rarity for Japanese players. They subbed off some of their best players. They have a lot of attacking options, but Kamada is going to be there every single time. He's going to play in the number 10 for them and take set pieces. He's going to be their main man, really. So against Costa Rica, I think he could get a lot of points. As you just saw with Spain, all their midfielders got a lot of points against Costa Rica, and I think Kamada is in the same mold that you have uh, with uh, Gavi and those guys who run, ran wild against Costa Rica. So I think Kamada is a really good pick for 5.5. Another cheap pick, again... At, uh, in the striker position or in the forward position in Ismail Asar plays Qatar which is one of the 
worst teams in the whole tournament, the host nation. Uh, Saar looked uh, pretty good against the Netherlands. Uh, Senegal looked pretty good, at least, against the Netherlands as well. They It was a tightly contested match, which almost ended with nil-nil, but then Netherlands got the goals in the end that they needed, mostly because Edward Mendy is a pretty terrible goalkeeper at the moment. But yeah, Saar created uh, a lot of chances. He, cre- he had four chances created, and he just looks like the main man for Senegal now that Mane is out, so... He's also the type of player, as you saw, if you've been playing a fancy Premier League, when he scored against Liverpool, almost like the main man when Watford beat Liverpool when Liverpool won the league. He has those types of games as well, so I think he's a great option. Then, like we mentioned in the captain's options, I have Mbappe and Messi. I'm probably going to do Mbappe as captain against Denmark, and then Messi if Mbappe fails. But I'm going to have, most likely, going to have both of them in my wildcard squad. On the bench, uh, currently I have Roche, the Uruguayan goalkeeper. He's playing as Portugal, so I might swap to someone else uh, as a goalkeeper, but he's still, he's only 4 million, so I just feel like Nopert is going to be the main guy anyway. And if Nopert fails, I can just swap out Roche with uh, my wildcard anyway, so it's really just, uh, I can be as fluid as I want with the second goalkeeper if Nopert doesn't uh, get the clean sheet. On the bench, I have some really good options as well. Uh, Perisic against Canada. Canada. I think Perisic is the main man for Croatia. He doesn't play as a wingback for them. He plays as a winger. He had a couple of dangerous shots uh, in the first match against Morocco, but didn't score, obviously. But he's definitely the guy to target, I think, uh, for Croatia. It's either him or Modric, I guess. But I feel like Perisic is more attacking, and he's also cheaper, so... It makes sense for me. Kostic, one of the many good options for Serbia. Uh, just depends uh, if, uh, depending on how Cameroon look uh, against Switzerland, he might be a really good option. 6.0, if they add points for tackles and uh, key passes, he can definitely get a lot of those. And he can get some assists here and there, and even a goal if he he really uses his left peg uh, to his advantage. Uh, and finally, I have uh, Alex Telles, Brazil. Still not sure if he's the starting left back or not for Brazil, but I also have 0.5 in the bank. So if Alexandro is the main man, you can just swap to him. And obviously on a wild card, you can do as many swaps as you want to get whoever player you want. So I feel like Telus is a great option in Switzerland if he starts, but if he's not starting, I can just do Alexandro. So that's pretty much my team. Um, I don't know, Kevin, if you have any comments. Uh, what do you think? Are there any players you think seem out of place? Do you questions about Saar using a forward spot do you like De Bruyne what's what's your what are your thoughts on this I mean I think it's it's fine simply because you have the wild card going so any switches that you'd like to do it's very easy for you to do if you were just doing simple transfers I would have been like whoa Saar are you sure and all this type of stuff but considering that it's all very much hypothetical at this point. Um, I feel that, you know, screw it. Just go for it. Um, I don't hate any of the picks, really. Uh, obviously, the the only thing that I could, like, give you even remotely a little bit of stick for is obviously keeping Uruguay's goalkeeper when uh, you could have the Tunisian goalkeeper uh, or all this type of stuff. So, uh, which is such a minor thing. So, genuinely, I don't think uh, there's anything really wrong with the team. I think maybe uh, what's Perisic's price? Seven mil. 
or 7.5. I can't remember. One of those. Yeah, it because might be 7.5 actually. Not that I think. Uh, because you have 0.5 on the bench, and if you really wanted to, you can potentially make him into Modric and make um, Tellers into um, that one uh, defender who plays for Senegal. For Sabaly. yeah, yeah, because we know Qatar ain't doing shit in that game so uh yeah that, that i guess those are the two minor stuff oh and the only reason i say modric is because he's on penalties really um but uh yeah other than that i mean i don't know parisage is a fine option otherwise um you know it's just a question of whether do you otherwise try and get the maria in or stuff like that that's i mean Again, you're on a wild card, so a lot of this can change, and uh, so whether you stick to De Bruyne or not, and all this type of stuff. But yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with this team whatsoever. It's very similar uh, in terms of the one that you'll see next, and I think uh, in terms of just the back line, pretty much everyone has, you know. Uh, most, at least what I've noticed, a lot of people have Dumfries, Trippier, a French, uh, and Sosa because he's 3.5 and also because we know he's good. So, yeah, yeah uh, in terms of that, I think it's a perfectly good um, match day two team that will then get changed into whatever you want it to be in match day three. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely crazy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's also another option I have is downgrading De Bruyne to someone well like Di Maria like you, you like you mentioned and upgrading to upgrading Sar to either the Pi or if I want to go with Kane or if I want to go with Lewandowski uh, there are a lot of there are a lot of good forward options or even if I want to double up on France I don't think I'm going to do that this this match against yeah. Denmark but I can definitely do that option um, the other thing is just looking at this team compared to my current team I have uh, basically, Noppert, Dumfries, Trippier. Well, I have Pavard rather than Thiago Hernandez. It's not that big of a difference. I have Sosa, I have De Bruyne, I have Messi, I have Mbappe. So I already have Anaya Roche. So I already have nine out of 15 players. And I have four transfers left. So I could potentially just do the four transfers, the two transfers this uh, match day, and then two transfers for match day two, and pretty much get the same team. Uh, or well, a similar looking team but the only issue is then is that I don't have the option to switch into a different team for match day 3 unless I do the wild card in match day 3 so these are the options that I'm considering in terms of uh, tactics when it comes to the boosters I could either do like I said the 4 transfers and get a slightly lesser team for match day 2 but then I could use the, ma- the wild card for match day 3 and have the limited transfers throughout match day 3 because obviously match day three, the thing with match day three is that some teams will already be through. And for example, France, if they're through, they might swap out most of their players. They might not have Mbappe, they might not have that guy. And you don't really know until the lineups come out. And you obviously have two transfers only in match day three if you already used your wildcard. But if I have my wildcard, I can switch out every single player that is benched. Um, like every player that you expect to start and are all of a sudden benched because the team is already through, you can swap them out with the wildcard in match day three. So I might do the wildcard in match day three. And then the final option is potentially just saving the wildcard until uh, the quarterfinals. Obviously you get unlimited transfers for the round of 16, but then you can, if you do the 
wildcard in the quarterfinals, you can basically do a free hit in round of 16 with limited transfers, and then you can swap out that entire team for um, for the quarterfinals. And then in the semifinals, you can do the same as you would do with the wildcard in match day two and match day three. You can do the same with quarterfinals. You can do a fully new team for the start of the quarterfinals, and then at the end of the quarterfinals, you can swap out all those players to a semifinal team and have that team for the rest of the tournament because the semifinal uh, stage and the finals and bronze final stage will be the same four teams. So there are some other options than doing just the, the wildcard straight away. So I might look into that. It's just a matter of how good slash bad match day three will be. So it's a really tough decision. I think I got to look at the groups and look at what teams that might go through, what teams are might already be through that I want to have players from in match day three. I might just go safe in terms of the... If I do the wild card in match day two and match day three, I might just go really safe with the match day three picks and pick players that are not through yet, like Argentina players who probably need to win the match, Germany players who probably need to win the match. So there's a lot of different options. So I got to figure out what, what I need to do. But as of right now, I have the match day two wild card uh, slash match day three wild card sort of <laughs> mixture. Anyways, that's my team for this upcoming match day. Let's take a look at Kevin's team. It's sort of similar to mine. There are some key differences, but you can take me through the whole team, Kevin, as well. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we have the same exact defense and uh, goalkeeper. Um, the only the only difference that I have is uh, I have Domin in goal and he's playing australia and i have sabli who plays qatar and obviously matthias is probably going to make these subs unless uh he's adamant on keeping a certain player like alex tellis and stuff like that or whether he decides to downgrade uh, de bruyne and get a Kane or get a neymar which i just realized you don't actually have yeah. in terms of uh, um, the team um yeah, um, the only only reason why I'm considering getting rid of Neymar is simply because I just think that the other matches are easier. I believe, is it Switzerland that they're playing next? Yes. Yeah, so I guess it's out of fear of facing uh, Jan Sommer. But again, this can all change uh, very quickly because, again, Kane might be injured, and if Kane's injured, then... There's no point in me getting rid of Neymar and all this type of stuff. The only reason I'm even remotely uh, considering Kane over Neymar, it's all the storyline stuff that comes with it. And also that USA uh, conceded to Wales, who did not impress me at all. And I think England impressed me quite a bit uh, with their win. Um, so... Yeah, that's sort of it. I, I again, Mbappe might be Neymar instead because of the whole or Denmark or sound defensively and all this type of stuff. Um, but in terms of the other players, I have Saka. I was very impressed with uh, his his performance. I just thought, generally speaking, he looked good. Uh, I think he's been good for Arsenal as well as of the last couple of game weeks as well. Obviously, uh, in FPL, he he got unlucky with certain things and etc. But he's obviously hit the ground running here, um, and I think is a good option. 
Um, Bergwine didn't really do much, but once the pie started playing, then it all started to look a little bit better. So I think Bergwine is a is a nice option. I still think uh, he has that little bit of X factor about him. So I'm sticking with Bergwine. Um, the only thing now is that I'm sort of shitting myself if KDP hauls against uh, Morocco, but it's like uh, we mentioned before with KDP, he's not a notorious goal scorer. He's the sort of guy who gets like a goal or two at the World Cup, but will get several assists. So if Lukaku starts the game, then I'd be a bit more worried because they play really well together. But as of right now, Di Maria needs to perform and Messi need to perform. So I think it's that sort of urgency that's making me even consider this because even if uh, Belgium managed to draw against uh, Morocco, that you know that gives them four points, and then they have to beat Croatia, which they I'm sure they've always wanted to do, so they can make sure to come first. So, so for me. Um, yeah, Daichi Kamada also makes so much sense. I thought he looked great. Uh, I, I've obviously kept tabs on him ever since uh, he became like a really, really good Bundesliga player. And uh, I think, um, yeah, Costa Rica were terrible. So Japan beat Germany due to counterattacking. Now we're going to get to see Japan just play their natural game and probably just dominate the shit out of Costa Rica. Um I'm never going to Messi punish me for not keeping him as captain. So uh, I'm not going to make that mistake again. Obviously, I'm never going to transfer Messi out as well as Matias until he gets knocked out. And if that happens, I think, uh, yeah, uh, I'll obviously be keeping Messi and he won't be getting knocked out anytime soon. Uh, I have Kostic against Cameroon. Again, we haven't seen Serbia play, and we don't even know if Kostic is start. We don't know anything about Serbia. Uh, but obviously, just from prior knowledge, uh, current form, and everything like that, Kostic has been great. He's been one of the shining lights uh, for both Serbia and recently gone really into his own uh, at Juventus. A lot of fans really love him. I think he's just the obvious pick um, as a cheapo enabler so we can have these really expensive players because everyone seems to cost like eight million or above or seven mil or above um sadly it's just because he's playing he's playing guitar and i think guitar terrible like just uh just really bad they, they just offered nothing to uh, was such a flattering score uh and Valencia could have easily had six goals um but yeah um other than that i think that's my team I could shake things up a bit. Um, I'm not in love with England in the sense of like Trippier. I was so good for Newcastle. He was really good for England as well. It's just that there are so many matches where instead of me chasing attacking returns, I could just go for a quick uh, and cheap uh, nil-nil that I, or like a not a nil, what am I saying? Uh, basically a clean sheet. I could just be chasing that instead of um, trying to chase attacking returns because at the end of the day, attacking returns from defenders has been very few and in between. Like we don't have actually these, like if you, a lot of the players that got an assist so far, all of them pretty much conceded. 
there's very few that actually hauled and got like a 10 point plus game. Um, so maybe I could make Trippier into a 4.5 or a 4.0 and then maybe upgrade a certain player here or there. But uh, I think for now, this is as good as a draft gets. I mean, obviously, if like Cristiano Ronaldo gets a hat trick, then maybe I'm like, oh, maybe I need to get him. Or if Bruno mm. all of a sudden is the star man, then I'm like, okay, well, then I got to bring him in. Or Bernardo Silva. There's just so much. Um, unfortunately, with planning all these sort of episodes and all this type of stuff, it's a bit... Um, yeah, it's a bit crazy because there's no breaks in between anything. You know, it's Thursday is the final game. Friday morning is the next one sort of thing. So it's really hard to plan without having seen everything. Because obviously, it's one thing if it had been all these crap nations that had to play each other. But, you know, we're missing Brazil. We're missing Portugal. I still want to see if Uruguay are as good as I give them credit for, I want to see how Ghana play and all this type of stuff too. So, uh, so for me, it's just a bit hard to uh, plan those players into any of this uh, because if Cancelo gets like an obvious goal or assist, then Cancelo goes back into my team sort of thing and et cetera. So I think, uh, but as, as things stands and just from what we've seen, I test and all, I think this is as good as a team can get. Uh, it's just a question of whether I make minor tweaks, but I don't think in terms of just looking at it now, I'm, I'm actually pretty happy with this. It's just whether I switch Di Maria to someone and Trippier to someone to then raise maybe Kostic into a seven mil or etc because Milinkovic uh, Savic might be so obvious of a pick rather than Kostic that's one of those other things yeah. um but uh yeah generally speaking pretty happy with the team what do you think yeah no, it's just uh, that match you mentioned with the Brazil against Serbia that could change a lot of things because obviously you have zero Brazilian players but if they absolutely trash Serbia and win like three or four nil you gotta have at least one or two Brazilian players Neymar is an obvious pick if Paqueta or Bruno Guimaraes looked really good in midfield, they might be good picks. Maybe someone comes out of left field. Maybe Anthony all of a sudden is really good for them and starts. Maybe Vinicius Jr. is really looking good. And then you obviously have the defenders. Marquinhos could always score a goal as a defender. Tell us if he starts. There's so many good Brazilian options. Uh, uh, I feel like you should get some Brazilian players in uh, into your squad, um, especially if they, if they look really good against Serbia. Same goes for Serbia. They also have... They have an even even easier match in match day two against uh, Cameroon. So well, you obviously have Kostic, but who knows? Maybe, I don't know. I've been looking at Tadic as well because he's the penalty taker for them. He's a bit more pricey. I think he's 8.0, but uh, still, I think he's he's a great option. He's the talisman for them. Um, other than that, it's pretty similar to my team. Uh, Bergwijn is another player that I've considered as well. I might keep him still. He... We didn't mention that, but he easily could have had a goal if uh, the pass from Gakpo was better uh, on that big chance they had uh, in the first half. Um, so he's still a great option. It's just a matter of if he's good or if the pie is even better uh, for the Netherlands. Di Maria, I'm, I mean, I like Argentina. They're, they're obviously, we shouldn't really overreact too much. Obviously, they had 36 matches in a row without defeat before the loss against Saudi Arabia, so they could definitely just spank Mexico. But 
for now, I'd just stick with Messi, probably. I'm not sure about Di Maria. Maybe he he's performed well for Argentina in, in the World Cup. He's basically been the second best player uh, in Messi's Argentina career. He's been the second best player. He's better than, <laughs> obviously, Higuain. He's been better than Aguero uh, next to Messi. He's been better than pretty much any player you can list next to Messi. Uh, opposite, like, someone like Mascherano, who's more of a defensive player. But, like, he complements Messi really well. Uh, which is pretty rare, <laughs> which is kind of strange uh, when you consider it with Dybala and Aguero. And well, Lotaro has been pretty good with Messi as well. But, but anyways, Di Maria is a fantastic player. But I don't know, for 8.5, maybe, I don't know. It just depends. Um, but other than that, it's just one question I have left, and that is in terms of captaincy. I, I'm obviously doing Mbappe against Denmark and then Messi. I think for me personally, my whole idea behind it is what I did this week. Messi had one goal, that's it. So I swapped to Mbappe because I felt like Mbappe had a good chance of getting more than that. So that's the question for me. You obviously have Kane as captain currently, but uh, how much points would Kane need to get for you to lock in the captaincy with Kane? Is it just just a matter of one goal, seven points, then you keep him? Or would you still be interested in Messi against Mexico even if Kane has seven points or even Mbappe? Or Neymar, potentially. I mean, for me, it's... Um, I think... <laughs> all things considered, my captain should have been uh, Kane and Messi, yeah. which would have been uh, 14 and uh, 12. Uh, and I chickened out from captaining Kane at the very last minute, and he would have gotten me 14 points, which I would have been actually pretty happy with. Um, it's just that... I think for me now, it's like anything close to double digits. So we're talking not eight, but like if Kane got nine points against uh, USA, I'd probably be happy with that, mm. you know, because like nine, nine, ten points, you should be happy with 11 points. You should like anything that's double digits, you should be happy with. Like, yes, you could potentially have uh, Mbappe who got 10 points and then somehow Messi got 15 sort of thing but at the end of the day anything that's close to more than a goal uh should be considered just captaining because right now besides enter valencia and like anyone who got a brace or anyone who got a goal and assist like it's been very much like a single goal at most that a lot of these players have been getting and i think anything more than that should be considered a blessing. So, for example, if you had Captain uh, Ferran Torres, like, for, let's say Ferran Torres was your only captain this whole uh, game week, or we, let's say Ferran Torres's match was first, he got 10 points, and you had captain him, I would have told you just stick with him. There's no mm-hmm. point in you uh, changing from him. Um, and I think... Um, so, yeah, I think... I think um, the lowest, I guess, I would say with captaincy, the lowest I'd probably settle for now is probably 14, so seven points. Yeah. So basically they got a goal and um, got an extra shots on target or something like that. Like that I'd be happy with because – yeah, it's a decent number and all this type of stuff. So uh, obviously, the more the better. But uh, 
if for example Kane manages to get eight or nine points, I might stick with that. Okay. So if Kane repeats his performance, he gets seven points. You'll switch to Messi, I think. I think so. Yeah. If so he gets seven, if points? he if if he keeps getting seven points just every game, then I'm just keeping it for the rest of the tournament. But um, if because I think personally, I think that's the line I would put it at as well. Seven points, I'd probably switch to Messi, but eight points, I think I'd just stick. Yeah, so I th- because I think it's around there. And it's also just the feeling going into the match and stuff. Uh, yeah, because like, just put it into perspective, right? Strikers get five points, right? So five plus three is like saying, you know, if you don't count minutes played, it's like getting a goal and assist, right? Mm-hmm. And in Bappe's case, that's actually what he freaking got. So, uh, yeah, I think like unless it was so obvious that a player is going to haul, uh, like a bunch of us did think that Ender Valencia would do against Qatar. Um, it's just one of those things where it's just like, yeah, there's no point in sticking or twisting. Obviously, in your case, it worked because you went from someone who only got six points uh, to someone who got nine points. Uh, but like for myself, like even with the a stupid thing that I felt that I did was... I got goaded into get, doing KDB because it's a differential. If he had scored, he would have already have outscored Messi and all this type of stuff. But the thing is, Messi's a striker. I've already got the points. I should have just settled for that. But even that six isn't as high as something else. So it, it always becomes that question of stick or twist, right? Um, but I think when it comes to uh, strikers... If your striker scores or scores at least eight points, just stick with it. Yeah, pretty much my thoughts as well. I think eight points. It just also depends on the captaincy. I just Mbappe against Denmark, Messi against Mexico. Like they're not good enough matches. Like obviously for me, it was pretty easy this week with Mbappe playing against Australia. It's, yeah. It just made a lot of sense to switch to him after yeah. Messi didn't score more than six points yeah. uh, against Saudi Arabia. So that makes sense for me, but. I think that's around the point. I think you should, any of you guys uh, watching or listening as well, if you get eight points or more from your captain, you should probably just stick with him. If you get seven points, it depends on what options you have as a captain. But that's obviously something you can keep in mind. But anyways, uh, that's it for Kevin's team as well. So that will lead us into the outro. Just uh, quickly, in terms of our schedule, our next podcast we're aiming at Sunday, which is the second to last day uh, as well. That's uh, when the like like now it will be before uh, the Brazil, Portugal, Uruguay teams uh, are having are playing. They play on Monday, but yeah, we'll probably do a podcast on uh, Sunday with uh, the updated squads. Probably both of us on a wild card and looking into how we'll be shaping up our teams for match day three with the wild card still intact. Uh, but yeah, you'll get to know that when we get there. And um, other than that, in terms of uh, our planning for the upcoming match days, I think we'll both post our teams to our uh, Twitter accounts and retweet them or post it on the FPL scope on Twitter so you can see our final teams. We'll reveal the teams uh, probably after the final matches uh, played in this uh, first match day, after we've seen Brazil play. Uh, so I think we're going to tweet it out 
after the final matches and then we'll retweet it on the morning before the match day starts so that way if you follow us on social media you get to see our final teams so don't come back to to us with comments like uh, your team is totally different from what you had in the podcast because obviously things can change and we'll post the changes before the match day anyway so we'll keep you posted on that other than that just uh, the usual stuff like share and subscribe if you if you can uh, on youtube uh, if you're watching somewhere else you can follow us on other accounts once again i'm gonna just move it over to kevin our social media manager uh, anything else you'd like to add and where you can find us and all that stuff and yeah yeah absolutely in terms of uh, everything that's going on you should see a uptick with stuff i mean we've generally been tweeting a bit more um and we'll be definitely trying to incorporate some of you guys into all of this and um yeah i think uh, with the world cup coming up i think we should do once the knockout stages is uh, sort of clear we're obviously going to do a predictions video and stuff like that but we hope that we get you guys involved in that too because obviously it's always fun to see um some of your predictions with everything like that i mean some of the wild stuff that i've seen so far is um what was it and i couldn't believe it someone actually did tip jeru to win the golden boot and i'm like he's up to two goals already so fair enough uh so some stuff like that we definitely want to be discussing and definitely uh want to be sharing so please just uh Make sure to just drop us a message or just uh, retweet anything or comment, and we'll definitely be interacting with that. We're definitely trying to interact with just more accounts in general, just get our names out there, and also just to hopefully uh, just uh, make a dent in that regards because there's just so many crazy moments happening during this World Cup that's just been just genuinely, it's really annoying to say, I'm having a lot of fun with this World Cup. It's just I hate the fact that uh, it is where it currently is and everything like that. I completely understand why so many people are boycotting it and everything like that. But at the same time, it's uh, I'm a sucker for all this uh, shit. So I get all caught up in it and want to see all the players perform and etc but uh yeah keep an eye out on uh especially on twitter uh and uh you can reach us there yep that's about it from us so uh, thank you and we'll see you on sunday take care see ya bye